Welcome to episode 104 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Welcome back to another episode. Um, I often have like ideas that I have for what my tip is going to be. And then something happens in my week and I'm like, oh, I should have that be my tip because now I've had something go wrong and uh, I can tell people how to make it through. So um, yesterday I had a session with a student that we were using Zoom and all of a sudden, I don't know if it was because there was an update in Zoom or because their internet connection wasn't good enough or my internet connection was good enough, but I could not use my screen share. And I could only just do like basically face to face, which doesn't work great for uh, articulation with a five year old. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I had to make it work. And it made me think about I don't know what I ever did in telepractice. And when I, we started, there was no such thing as screen share. It was just, you know, us on a camera, them on a camera. And I had to go back to that for a minute. So, and I basically just like grabbed things that were on my desk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm, now I might need to make like a, a, you know, like if all goes wrong kit kind of thing. But some things that I did is I like had a luckily had like a tin box with trolls on it that Mm -hmm. was one of my kids and I was like you know I would shake it and be like what's in there let's say a word and then we can pull something out of the box or um and it was just full of crowns so then I was grabbing other things (laughs) to stick in there to make it more interesting than that and you know, and or some things that I thought of that I could put in there were like a whiteboard so you could easily, you know, draw something for your student, have them talk about what they see, um, have them run and get something to show you or you get something from, uh, you know, go on a scavenger hunt, things like that. Uh, and anything with art drawing, um, maybe have a backup of articulation cards that you can just hold up and show them uh, for those times when that screen share just isn't working. But it was my, my, oh no, got to make it work moment this week. (laughs) My Tim Gunn moment this week for those that are a fan of that show. (laughs) Make it work, make it work. Make it work. Yeah, yeah. For for Tim, it's like it you know it looks terrible. That means start over, or <laughs> major modification, right? Yep, yep. And, but uh, we we made it work. Any any other ideas that you have for that, Todd? Oh, when screen share doesn't work. Yes, yes. Oh, um, I think you're you're. Um, let's see. Other than holding, just holding crap up in front of the right exactly (laughs) i don't know what else i don't know what else you do Um, how did we do this before that was a thing (laughs) yeah 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 um and especially you know working with uh a lot of my kids not all of them are are working with the parents and doing the parent coaching but you know for the older kids you know screen share wasn't working it was like you know, it's tell me about your day. Let's let's make a story out of your day or, you know, what did you do this past weekend or whatever? Or what's, where's, what what was your favorite vacation? Tell me about that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just find some topic that they can start talking about and then try to keep it going. Um, But yeah, um, I don't think I've ever had that situation where the screen share didn't work all of a sudden. So I don't, I, uh, I have to figure out, hopefully it's fixed between now and the next time I see this student. Yeah. Hope so. Hope so. Just a 
minor uh, one-time glitch, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't know if you um, saw this week um, the Biden administration and, and uh, President Biden did a um, presentation on uh, lowering costs for broadband and internet access and trying to get that out. And so that has now become a major priority going forward. So tying into some of our uh, families that live in more rural areas who can't get access to services and might be looking for telehealth or telepractice, that could have a a huge impact going forward. So it was uh, very interesting. He did a major talk on, on that topic. So uh, it is certainly being brought up at a, at a high level that this needs to be done and to be able to provide more access to, to broadband and internet services. So I'm, I'm hoping that, again, another step uh, in the right direction of helping us um, have you know, better access to telepractice around the country. So right. It is almost getting to the point where it's like, having access to the internet would be like having access to electricity. Like it's just kind of right. a, almost a basic need and it's, which is a weird thing to say, but you know, in mm-hmm. the world that we're in where almost all of our information is de- delivered in that way, if you leave mm-hmm. people without it, how much information are you leaving them without? Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, obviously with, with the way everything is moving to, if you don't have internet access, you you are cut off from a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know everything. You know from how your banking works, how you're shopping. I mean, everything is through the internet now. And so, if you don't have access, uh, it it's really a problem. And um, and so, and, and it's not just because you can't go get on Facebook or do something crazy. It's just you, you don't have access to lots of services. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's going to be very important to hopefully this national broadband approach will, will work and we'll see even better outcomes as we go forward. The other uh, quick thing I wanted to mention is that, um, this is sort of a plug for 3C, uh, 3C Digital Media Network. We have started a new live podcast, excuse me, live broadcast, uh, it's going to be sort of a podcast. We'll be uh, putting these episodes up, but it's uh, Tech Talk with Dr. Michelle and Michelle Bovair, who's been on our show before. Mm-hmm. Uh, she is talking about different technology applications. So she's very much very similar to Sean in, term, in terms of what she's interested in. But that happens uh, every Thursday at three o'clock Eastern and you can go to the three C website or you can go to the three C Facebook group on three C Instagram. And so we're trying to get that out. And she did her first episode this past week. And so this week she'll have another great tip about using technology to serve patients. So great. Yeah. And so on today, as I mentioned, I mentioned Sean. Uh, we have Sean Sweeney, who's who's joined us. And uh, I'm very, very excited because Sean uh, is very well known in the field of speech language pathology as uh, a, a tech guy. He's been doing a lot of technology-related presentations and, and he has a wonderful blog 
uh, speech techie. And you've probably seen her, his posting some on, on some of the social media channels, but he is just an SLP who loves tech and how to use tech. And he'll point out, <clears throat> excuse me, he's not talking about AAC. Uh, yep. And he's talking about other technologies to support speech and language, uh, but not AAC. And so I'm excited that we finally got him on and, and, uh, I think he's going to have some great tips for us as well. Hi, are you creative? Do you want to give a webinar or teach a course? Maybe you're a writer. Do you want to create a blog? Maybe you have an idea for a podcast. Whatever your passion is, we at 3C Digital Media Network want you to be a content creator so we can bring your ideas to life. So, to get started, visit our website at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com and sign up to be a content creator. We look forward to seeing your passions come to life on our platform. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Can you uh, share a bit more about your background? Sure. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it and the opportunity to talk to you both and uh, to your listeners, of course. I'm a speech and language pathologist uh, by original training, and I originally worked in the public school system uh, in Newton, Mass. And my dad was a technology specialist. I grew up with uh, two edu educators as parents, uh, one of whom was my mom, who was my eighth grade teacher, which is horrifying, of course, but oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, a small Catholic school experience that I couldn't escape. Mm. Uh, but, uh, I didn't raise my hand and call her mom or anything like that. So <laughs> the, the trauma was minimized. Um, but, uh, with my dad, he always was bringing home different kinds of technology, uh, so that he could learn it himself and mm. always welcomed me to be learning about the latest Apple II E or GS or the first Macintosh. And so, I just always had this interest in technology and I, I really uh, gravitated towards it. And um, I kind of stumbled into speech and language pathology after being an English major and a journalism major and wanting to do something applied and mm -hmm. helpful and educational, though I didn't really have a yen to be a classroom teacher per se and be in charge of that many bodies at once. Uh, I think it was always a fear of mine. Um, but I loved education. And um, so I was kind of guided, you know, towards looking into speech and language pathology, and it was just a great match, you know. And um, uh, when I first started working in the public schools, it was sort of the advent of the, the laptop being available, you know, mm -hmm. in your first, mm -hmm. uh, the first like um, iBooks, um, the white ones, I recall. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I started trying to just become a bit of a visible user of technology, making friends with the IT specialist and showing like, oh, with this group of three kids, you know, I took them to this interactive website about uh, Jamestown because they were studying mm -hmm. that. And, you know, I, I loved finding ways to make the um, language interaction and language learning um, interactive. Um, and I was always just finding connections between what would be on an interactive website and 
narrative language mm-hmm. or expository language and try to uh, strategically teach them those structures and how to recognize um, those patterns um, as well as you know the vocabulary and the cause effect and those sort of microstructure things um, that that could benefit them as well. So I went and got a second master's in instructional tech um, uh, through an online program. And then in, within my own district, I worked for a couple of years as an instructional tech specialist. Um, and that's when I started a blog. I just, just mm-hmm. was sort of missing, uh, you know, being a full-time speech and language pathologist. I was still a part-time speech and language pathologist at the Ely Center, which is a private practice where I still work. Um, and, um, uh, so that was sort of my after-school job. Uh, and so I started, uh, I had been blogging, you know, uh, mm-hmm. through like live journal, uh, going like right. way back, way back in the nerdy day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm like, you know, maybe I'll start sharing some ideas about websites I've found and activities I've done. Um, it didn't seem logical to write a book that would be instantly um, necessarily outdated about the kinds of things that I wanted to let people know about, which were like in the now. Um, so I went that route, um, and there started to be, you know, some interest and, and readership and, um, uh, started to get some opportunities to go and make presentations because I had been doing some, uh, presentations at ASHA conventions, uh, and people asked me to start, you know, coming to, their organization. Um, that's actually how I met uh, Nathan Curtis uh, mm-hmm. and uh, Michael. Uh, Michael Tui was who first reached out to me uh, as they were starting their telepractice training program um, mm-hmm. out of Waldo County in Belfast, and just recognized the connection that even though I was writing about instructional technology, that it could inform telepractice because some of these websites and resources and just the methodology um, that w- was being discussed there, uh, even though I was talking about using technology in person, it mm-hmm. could apply. Sure. Um, and so, you know, that started kind of a journey. And uh, I moved from the IT position to more of a part-time schools position. And as the presentation piece started to pick up, a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I just uh, kind of pursued that a little bit more and took a bigger role at my more flexible job at the Ely Center. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of where I've been ever since. Um, you know, the piece about actually becoming a telepractitioner um, <laughs> was about being an imposter for quite a while. Um, and I uh, would present with Nathan uh, and Amy at various mm-hmm. places, including uh, Amy Reed from Waldo County as well. She's a genius right. um, mm-hmm. and a wonderful clinician. And I uh, would present with them at places like ASHA and then um, a bit in Maine and uh, uh, some other locations. And I'd always say, uh, I'm not a telepractitioner, but I play one on TV, <laughs> uh, uh, which refers to this really right. outdated commercial about Excedrin or something right? Uh, <laughs> that the guy from the soap opera who played a doctor. Uh, anyway, right. so <laughs> the actual becoming a, uh, more of a telepractitioner and, and putting some of what I was talking about in those, um, in those presentations into, into practice was of course COVID related and motivated 
like mm-hmm. whoops uh so here you right. are uh stuck at home uh and uh for us uh you know my role in that was you know massachusetts had the kind of very quick sudden shutdown like everyone else mm-hmm. um and uh that that early march where hmm we're going to take two weeks off of school uh you know our our practice closed but we knew like hmm we think this is going to take a bit more than two weeks um and so <laughs> actually <laughs> Nathan and Amy were really instrumental and hugely helpful in those first couple of days as I've you know helped the the business figure out what's the role of HIPAA here what's right. the what are our platform choices? Um, what are some of just the the initial nitty gritty things um, that I I would need to know and I would need to show our so, staff? So, Sean, I have to ask. Yeah, absolutely. One 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 thing at that point in time, uh, as you're getting into COVID, is did it take more time because? you being so technology oriented knew the sort of the enormity of the, of what needed to happen Mm. versus the person who didn't have as much training, who was told, you know, on Monday, you have to start this, who are just jumping in and (laughs) trying to make it work. So did it take you more time to figure that out or did it because you wanted to have all those things in place or how, how did it work? How did it flow? Well, being being a private practice, we had kind of the benefit of time, you know, mm-hmm. like that we didn't have to. It was how well do you want to keep yourself afloat? <laughs> um, and right. also, you know, a big part of our motivation is this. Uh, the Ely Center is uh, social learning oriented, and that's our right. specialty here. I do mostly uh, social learning therapies and language therapies. So you know, the, the sense of urgency was around also um, keeping our clients connected um, and mentally healthy and having a communicative outlet because we could sense what's going on outside our own homes. Um, and for me, one of the, you know, traumatic aspects of the shutdown uh, truly was it was like experiencing an invisible disaster um, Mm -hmm. uh, for so much of the time. uh, And you didn't really know what was going on except for what you heard on the news. And if you were fortunate enough not to be having anyone in your, in your uh, family or close circle stricken with COVID, um, you know, it was just kind of getting a sense of trying to figure out what's going on out there. Um, right. There was another complicating factor in that we do mostly groups. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, thinking about how, what kinds of resources do we need to keep a group engaged as opposed to an individual client? What's the role of the family, uh, right. the parent? And it, it's sort of a, almost an anti e helper situation um, right. because. Yeah a family member next to a teenager, um, you know, is sort of a. Mm-hmm. a Changes drag. the dynamic. May sure. <laughs> <Right>. not <laughs> work as well. Yeah. I mean, you can work that in, you know, uh, at certain times, but in terms of like a group dynamic, um, 
and them having a sense of being a group of of themselves you know it it plays a role um uh, Tara Rail, uh, who also presents a ton for ASHA, uh, was a huge help. We have a Facebook um, group of people that we call the non-conference. And we've had that for years of just kind of a casual group. And um, she came on and um, recorded a training for all of us. Um, that was also a humongous aid in those early days and just getting some ideas of where to where to start. So, you know, we mm-hmm. did it a bit slowly too. Like what's your most regulated group? Um, let's get them together. Uh, and it was amazing how open everyone was, the kids and the parents, at least in those first days um, of, you know, of, of trying this. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it really kept things together. Uh, I think both for them and, um, and then, of course, for us as a as a private practice that needed to find a way to to stay open, um, we actually physically we shut we, we closed. We had no physical space for all of the 2021 wait no 2020 to 2021 school year. No wow. physical space reopened, and that was partly logistically. We had a mm-hmm. a brick and mortar space that was going to be sold and torn down anyway so we're gonna have to move so we just Mm -hmm. grabbed all of our stuff out of there um sooner than later or my boss did anyways because we were (laughs) staying we weren't all getting we weren't staying we weren't getting together right um so yeah so it um it was a path um and now it's uh now it's a competency you know that i feel like i really own i i also Mm -hmm. during that time you know, yeah, it should be a competency. I have to say it was a competency because I then started talking about it with more, uh, you know, and doing presentations. There, there was a lot of demand for that in the, that, mm-hmm. that, that spring um, uh, from, from people I knew in the field that, that brought me in, like um, uh, reading with TLC, did a couple of mm-hmm. webinars that they had me do. And um, uh, the folks at Mindwin Concepts who uh, make Story Grammar Marker, who I've already always, had a relationship with had me doing um some presentations as well as some school districts um just as they were making their way you know but um you know now it's something i feel i own and uh can use and i still we we are now like you know some of our clients are telepractice and some of our clients are in person so um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and everyone here knows how to do it um so so that's great. Sure. So I was thinking about how we will see a lot, you know, those memes that are like expectations versus reality. <laughs> what <laughs> yes. was what was your like biggest expectation versus reality with telepractice? Oh, sure. That's a great question. I mean, I think the biggest thing that uh, was expectation versus reality is I pictured it as kind of um, like a big, like a video game uh, <laughs> that mm-hmm. I was facilitating with the clients usually having remote cursor control um and really it's more like a talk show you know and uh yeah i found myself 
you know, occasionally doing stuff where we, I'm like, this would be great if I could give them turns with cursor and, you know, but much less than I expected, especially in the group situation where it's like, okay, I have to make sure they all get the turn or it has to move mm -hmm. it. It has to be simple enough that they're all going to be able to navigate it quickly and no one gets bored, you know? Um, so, so that was a big, um, a big difference, I'd, I'd say. <laughs> I still need Zoom to create an easy way for me to get the control back because it's mm -hmm. always like me trying to like grab the cursor while they're not moving it <laughs> so I can turn that button off. I need like a keystroke that does it. And maybe yep. there is one and I just don't there, know. <laughs> there is one, but I always forget what it is. Okay. I have to keep it like written down. So I can't inform you. I'm sorry. <laughs> but there is. It's like a three keystroke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, that's take, too many. It needs to be one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just X. <Right>. Yes, <laughs> something like that. I think that would be good. Yeah. So, Sean, with with your situation there, you're doing you or did some you know group therapy with COVID. I know that a lot of people are still doing some groups uh, through telepractice, and mm -hmm. would you mind just some some quick pointers of, you know, if people are kind of going into this or being asked to do some group work, what should they think about that maybe they didn't think about? <laughs> yeah, ahead of time? yeah, absolutely. Um, I think with the group work, it's all about the conversations that you can facilitate, particularly if, I mean, conversations are great for language therapy, no matter what, but particularly for the social, uh, the social learning therapies, just having a comfort and skill and a visual support mm -hmm. um, that will drive some conversation, you know, within the group, um, I think is one of the key things. And one of my life-saving resources um, in those early days, because it was first presented at one of the, um, one of the free sort of teletherapy boot camp, And I've, Forgive me mm -hmm. if I name them wrong because there were two that I attended that sure. blur in my mind. Um, uh, was Anna Vegan, who I know you've had mm -hmm. uh, on her conversation paths, which are mm -hmm. just a simple visual series of PowerPoint slides that you can type into and uh, provide a prompt for conversation. They teach the building blocks of conversation, mm -hmm. um, which is, you know, if you look at any. Um, uh, evidence-seeking study that we have on conversation. It tends to focus on that sort of mode of, you know, teaching that there, mm -hmm. there are specific moves, building blocks. You right. tell a story, which she calls a four-starter, um, you know, comments. You can break those down, what types of con comments, um, uh, questions, pop-ins, responses, you know, and I, I geared a lot of the work around that just, Let's talk about our news. What do you have? What do you have going on? Learning from mm -hmm. home. <laughs> um, right. What's easy and what's hard. Um, so that was one, one piece of group work. Um, another, uh, you know, if we're talking kind of, you know, more on the tech side, um, Jamboard was a savior um, as well. And right. um, I think Google initially conceived Jamboard as a, physical board like in the conference mm -hmm. room and a, there's some sort of tv they were selling you know um <laughs> you know to go with it but it turned out to be this you know an instructional technology uh 
terminology like just in time tool mm -hmm. um, because it was fairly close to the pandemic when that first came out. And I found so many ways to uh, just get kids to interact uh, with that because it's so simple to use. There's just a few tools on the sideboard, the sidebar, and it's so easy to open one up and set the sharing to open and put the link into Zoom. Um, and in some in some situations, I was um, using templates that I created, or sometimes I was, you know, starting from scratch. Um, and uh, there was a, a a Twitter user is a, tw a a Twitter user. I can't remember her uh, her actual name, but it's she uh, at Gifted Talk um, T A W K and. Uh, she created a lot of resources that were STEM oriented, but they actually mm -hmm. were play, you know, and it was like make a snow fort. Um, right. Uh, with my older students, I did design a food truck. You know, let's mm -hmm. talk about food. Everyone likes to talk about food. Uh, and they had a lot of components that you could cut and paste from one, uh, one Jamboard frame to the other. And um, I modified games mm -hmm. um, like loaded questions. Um, it was very easy to modify and put into a Jamboard uh, format. Um, so there's there's so much you can uh, you you can adapt to that, and it just provides a visual support. It provides an interactive engagement. Um, the the text is always going to be a visual support. Whatever you can put in um, for um, for images uh, is great. And uh, that was a savior for me too, just to, and, and certain interactive websites, like the simpler interactive websites where um, you would kind of point and click to play uh, mm -hmm. kind of uh, activities that uh, uh, Huda math escape rooms were terrific mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. for having students observe what the scene is, where might we click to solve the problem? Um, right. Uh, those kinds of motivating, uh, very simple technologies, I think, are still really good group resources. Those are, yeah, those are great, great strategies. And it, it just, it's just, uh, I think people who who are not really experienced or less experienced with telepractice, I think it just, it, it's like a, it's like the bridge too far, trying to do more than maybe two two clients or two children, especially, then it's like, oh, how can I even manage that? So those yeah. are great ideas and great, great tips. I appreciate that. I think also with social, social learning therapy, a lot of people feel a little worried to make, to inject themselves into the process too much, mm -hmm. to make themselves mm -hmm. a social member of the group and therefore a facilitator and of course, you right. are the facilitator, you are the therapist and, and all that. Um, but I've, I've always tried to use the principle of give a story to get a story, um, you know, uh, to model narrative, to model conversation, um, to not just expect them to be doing the talking, you know, uh, and to, you know, to provide that model and that facilitation um, is really important. And you know, that has manifested in a few ways through all this, you know, um, I you know, did a lot of like, what do I notice in the news that seems positive? 
Um, right. You know, my students. <laughs> Did you find anything about, positive? Yeah, in yeah, yeah. <laughs> my students learned about the vaccine in its earliest stages mm -hmm. and as we were going forward. I actually used Governor uh, Charlie Baker's opening PowerPoint. What is reopening when? Um, right. In, oh gosh, whatever that was. Uh, it, well, I guess it would have been like May 2020 as stuff was mm -hmm. starting to reopen, like so that their teams might be able to compete again and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, and I actually showed them pieces of it and I made a Kahoot quiz, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, like, cause it's about time and it's about, right. uh, so I'm doing a lot of executive function, uh, situational awareness sort of work with these students. Um, so I, I injected a lot of my own anticipation of return to whatever new normal, um, going on, um, you know, and, you know, told them stories of stuff I was doing at my house and um, right. not about, not about the boxes of wine, uh, but you know, the, <laughs> went through quite a few of those. Uh, that was not needed to be discussed, but, but you know, similarly, um, yeah, I was, uh, I had the awesome opportunity in January to be on Jeopardy. Um, and mm -hmm, the, mm -hmm. um, as we were kind of approaching that, I, you know, was telling my students about, you know, the audition process and right. when I heard and did I get on and then, you know, it taped and I couldn't say what happened for two months. Right. Um, and then, you know, it kind of became a big lesson in self-regulation and processing grief. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. That they found cool, and you know, it gave us a lot. I actually put in a whole ASHA proposal about mm -hmm. this because mm -hmm. um, I thought it might be a nice, you know, uh, thing to go in language and learning. But really, mm -hmm. it's sort of about you know storytelling and uh, reflecting stories and getting 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 our students to respond. Uh, there were some good there were some good moments about that too. <laughs> so I have to still. Kim's question from earlier, what, what did you, what was, what surprised you uh, about the Jeopardy experience that you didn't know before? Uh, expectation versus reality of Jeopardy. Um, <laughs> uh, well, we're in the age of the super, uh, the super champ. So right, when right. I, when I arrived, I didn't know there was one there uh, and <laughs> that I was going to be playing against Amy Schneider. Uh, oh yeah. And um, so, uh, yeah, I guess that was the biggest reality check <laughs> um, of that. I didn't practice enough on the buzzer, you know, like, but I don't know if there really is a way to practice that. You know, it, it's, I, I think you, you, you get some rehearsal time there, which is great. Um, and they suggest watching with a pen uh, and clicking, you know, and, and working mm -hmm. on your timing, but you know, when someone's had 23 games before you uh, <laughs> to get to get in on that and uh, right. played that played that video game because uh, right. really is a giant video game. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you do your best and uh, you, you have to learn the lessons from it that you learn. <laughs> well, but, 
Yeah, I've noticed that too with um, my students. I even told one of my students that I had made a proposal for ASHA and I was like, I'm going to, you know, maybe speak at this big thing. And she was just like, why would you ever want to do that? I think I'd throw up. (laughs) I know a lot of kids, I told my students that, um, you know, over, over the past weekend, I've been planning with a group of friends for a while and we finally executed having a PowerPoint party. Uh, and the kids are like, why would that be fun? And it's like, <laughs> oh, it was like the most fun thing that I've done in a, a long time. Of Everyone just made, you know, PowerPoints that were roasting everyone in the room or that were, <laughs> that were informative in some way. Um, mm-hmm. my, to- my topic was right up my alley. It was words that are gross. Um, and so, so it was about word aversions and, uh, I have many, <laughs> like that, that one word that should only be described, yeah. used to describe cake. I will say yeah. that that's the only place where yeah. it, it's acceptable. Yeah. There was actually a psycholinguistic study about that word, which I won't say. So I described it and I got into like form content and use and taught them about speech pathology in the process. And, uh. I could do it. I could do one on how um, knowing phonology helps you play Wordle. Oh, yeah. That's that's my theory. That's my next that's one great. I'm going to do. <laughs> that is great. Oh, people would so benefit from that. Right? I yeah. think so. <laughs> well, first off, my wife, my wife hates that same word. And <laughs> her, her big uh, career, person, not career, but personal achievement over the past two weeks is that on two different days she solved Wordle in the, on the second try? Wow, wow! And she See, has I kind of gave up on it. <laughs> I'm getting and she's there. a she's a speech language pathologist too, so she's oh, she's cool. probably using some of that phonology to try to figure <laughs> these things out. You know, it's very interesting because, like, as an SLP, um, things like anagrams don't come to me easily. Um, so Wordle is hard and I was trucking along with it for a while and doing okay, but better than I thought. Mm-hmm. And I started instead doing crossword puzzles. Um, and I had never done those, uh, before my husband's a big puzzle person and, you know, I've always been kind of jealous of his uh, engagement in them and feeling like I don't have the attention span. Um, mm-hmm. but post jeopardy, I'm like, well, here's a way to keep developing mm-hmm. this, this interest and, crosswords and trivia are fairly fairly related but luckily i didn't have an anagrams category on my game um i didn't have well i can't say what was there was lucky at all because i didn't feel lucky on that board selection but uh, uh there was a category called four letter birds i'm well known to be bird phobic um like i birds birds freak me out so i just stood there during that entire category <laughs> having thought to myself when i saw it when ken Jennings said four little birds and i went crow um and that wasn't even one that's of it them. that's all you can think of <laughs> <laughs> those little dinosaurs <laughs> damn them not my thing <laughs> um, well I think I think uh, Sean, it is time for what we were talking about before we got on that James Lipton moment. How's that sound? Okay, sure, sure. I hope that people find more uh, resources on the blog. There's lots of stuff that's yes. telepractice adapted. I'm still um, 
I went through a little winter doldrums, uh, but I'm I'm back on uh, kind of a once a week post. Well, uh, I like I like yeah. even your PowerPoint party idea. I think if That's you great. like structured that well, that could be a great thing mm-hmm. to do in sessions with students too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I think a lot of opportunities for sharing, you know, within sessions, it just gives them an opportunity to share an interest um, is, is great. Um, you know, I have a student who I work with in person, uh, and he's new to this group, and um, he is apparently interested in a bunch of obscure games. And he acknowledges that, I don't know, if he thinks that no one else knows what these games are. You know, so we kind of, after him bringing up, well, I'd like to talk about some of the games that I play. I'm like, i got to give you this floor, you know, so that next mm-hmm. week we'll have him do a little mirroring with his iPhone. We have Apple TVs in our mm-hmm. uh, in our rooms and it makes it so easy. But, you know, I did stuff like um, using Google Earth was also a really cool, fun, easy thing. Like, let's go on a tour of a place you've been or a place you'd right. like to go. Um, yeah, you'd yeah. be surprised how many of my high school students like don't know that the hierarchy of like my state versus uh, my country versus my continent. High schoolers yep. that do yep. the concept mm-hmm. has lost on them. So that's yep. a great idea, I think. It's like that that nested feature of yep. categories with that and time. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's like a lot of our students kind of never got the year to season to month to week Mm -hmm. to day sense of it and um that is a that's a really good point and with those um you know with those kim it makes it even harder because like depending on the country there might be states there might not (laughs) you know right Right. Uh, (laughs) provinces uh Mm -hmm. canada i had had a, a teenager this past week we were working with um and it came up uh, who was the first president and she couldn't name George Washington as the first president of our country. Mm. And I love history. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's weird holes, weird holes that kids have Mm. that we can't, you know, every time it feels, it feels like you fill one hole and then another one's about to leak somewhere. It's, it's, it's very, you know, it's, it's scary on one hand. And then for me, cause I also, I'm working with graduate students. It's embarrassing on another because my graduate students are all early twenties and they have a whole different view of the world. You know, they're, you know, these are people who are always connected. They've, you know, you know, the, the 90s is like classic rock to them. You know, it's like <laughs> that kind of thing, you know. So it's like it's a whole different perspective on, mm-hmm. on, on everything. And, and, and that's a whole other discussion. But, <laughs> you know, just how, how you approach things and problem solve and, and uh, for some of them sort of work ethic and being on time and all these things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't always translate. Uh, uh, most of them it does, but you know, some you know, it's just kind of a different thing. Yeah, yeah. I'm su- mm-hmm. I supervise as well, and mm-hmm. uh, here at Ely Center, and um, you know, because a good chunk of what I was doing, like the presentation piece, uh, traveling around and making those, that still hasn't come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. And, mm-hmm. and I picked up um, uh, 
supervisory shift, so to speak, at Boston University and, and working with um, first years in the grad program. And, um, you know, though I was advised to, you know, have need to guide expectations for work, work ethic and, and also mm-hmm. just boundaries, I, you know, I've been really pleasantly, you know, surprised uh, mm-hmm. uh, and had a really great semester. <laughs> um, yeah. My two two graduate students that I was supervising there. Yeah, there. I, I have to say I do have wonderful grad students and undergrad students, but uh, <laughs> but 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 some, you know, there sometimes their cultural references are just very different and very, yeah. you know, anyway. Yeah, but it's like it's kind of what you were you know, what you're both saying, I think it speaks to the SLP role um, in being a a literacy coach in a way, because mm-hmm. um, it's not trivia, you know, right. who was the first president. Right. Um, that's a cultural literacy, you sure. know, piece, like in the broadest sense of it. Uh, and I think we play an important role in that kind of, even from like a semantic point of view, you know what they teach you when you're trying to study for jeopardy is like the more you know the more you will know you know and it's kind of not necessarily about studying lists of stuff but engage yourself in stories Mm -hmm. and narrative and uh, topics uh on a deeper level you know i read a lot of children's nonfiction books um because they're the picture uh children's Mm -hmm. picture books Mm-hmm. Shock full of info, such good speech and language tools too. Yeah, you know it's it's funny you mentioned that as a strategy, so to speak, because uh, thirty years ago I had a colleague. Uh, my first job was at a school for the deaf in North Carolina uh, as the SLP, and I worked with this high school teacher, and she would, you know, as all teachers do, get assigned different topics to kind of teach and and may not be as familiar or maybe not have taught that topic before. And her strategy was to go to the library and get children's books on the topic mm-hmm. and read them and become very sort of at a basic level, just understand the, you know, broadly what it was that she was getting into. And then she would, you know, get other sources, you know, that were harder and, and kind of work her way up until she really had a, strong foundation and really understood the topic. And I thought that was so, that was such a neat idea, you know, and, yeah. and here's a teacher doing that, you know, 30 years ago. So I've, I've kind of done the same thing from time to time. Yep. Love libraries. Yeah. It can They're help you. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, can help you sort of get, get your hands, get your handle on something. And there's so much digital, you know, access yeah, well, of course, that we yeah. have to that, to that material now between, you know, Epic Books for Kids, which is mm-hmm. so great. And we've got the free, um, and that, they've got good resources for teenagers too. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm constantly using my Boston Public Library card through OverDrive and um, mm-hmm. and getting um, materials that sync to, to my Kindle um, uh, program, uh, application on my Mac. And there's just so much, so much we could do. Right. I agree. We're just hitting the, the the surface of all the things, and yep. we want to be respectful of your time. Um, so, I I need you now, Sean, to 
choose A, B, or C? Which which list do you? Oh, want? sorry. A, B, or C. <laughs> I thought they were going to be. I wasn't. There. I forgot. The that way was my this fault. Right. <laughs> it was my fault. I didn't explain exactly. So I have three lists: uh, A, B, and C. So which list would you like? You mean these are not going to be the same questions that I've no. heard before? See, I'm gonna I've, think like I'm changing it up on you. What did Nathan pick? Um, okay, uh, <laughs> B. I'll go with B. B. Oh, yeah. One of one of those people. Okay. Let's Just kidding. We don't we don't get B very often. I'm excited. We that don't. We, got we usually get A or C. So you you're a B person. So that's good. Okay. All right. Question number one. Would you describe yourself as an introvert or an extrovert? Uh, extrovert. Um, I I'm a socially anxious extrovert. <laughs> um, which I, I think must be a thing. Um, you know, uh, I crave co-regulation, uh, mm -hmm. being around mm -hmm. other people. And uh, yeah, I think that's one of the things that was really tough for me in that working from home year. Uh, right. My husband was out teaching, teaching school at a 12 hour day kind of situation because he's having to learn how to teach hybrid. And uh, mm -hmm. it was a lot of, uh, a lot of isolation that was tough i just yeah i like i like being around around people and have thankfully a you know solid solid family group and solid uh group of friends so right. yeah <laughs> great perfect second question number two what is the best compliment you've received oh that's a tough um mr speech i think i <laughs> you know, I think that that's been the best uh, things related to the blog have been the best compliment and hearing that um, it, it, it's kind of when you're publishing something like that publishing, uh, it mm -hmm. is kind of like doing it into a void and you people don't always comment, they don't always get right. uh, give you that give you feedback. So hearing that it the um, hearing from someone that they come to my website and they they look around for ideas and they find them and that helps them to do their job. It just makes me feel like um, such a nice uh, feeling of duplicating my impact as a speech pathologist, mm -hmm. not just with who I'm working with, but uh, uh, directly, uh, but working with people in the fields uh, has been, you know, a hugely rewarding thing to hear over the years. Sure. That is, yeah, very good. Next question. Who has been the most influential person in your life and how did he or she impact you? Oh, I shouldn't have picked B. <laughs> <laughs> he was all ready for the same. He was ready for the other one. <laughs> um, who's been the most influential person in my life? I'll stick to the professional side for what can be useful sure. to, to people too. Um, I think Mary Ellen Rooney Moreau, who created Story Grandma Marker, has been the most influential person on my work mm -hmm. um, because uh, her tool and her understanding of how to unwrap and unlock stories and the fact that stories are everywhere. Um, and, you know, the, the notion mm -hmm. that stories aren't just a literacy tool, but stories happen to us and 
Uh, they're how we solve problems. They're how we connect with other people. Um, uh, unlocking all that and even myself through, um, through being in therapy, <laughs> you know, understanding that, you know, the, what you say to yourself about what happens to you is actually a narrative process. Sure. Um, and uh, cognitive behavioral therapy is, you know, is so linked into narrative. So I, I love all of that. And I think that's, that's very cool. And it's influenced everything that I do. Awesome. Yeah, My daughter will come home from her school day and she'll start saying like just a random story. And I'll be like, we need context. <laughs> <And> so she's, <laughs> she's learned that she has to start with. So today at school, <laughs> start with some context. <laughs> so it is, it's just, it's how we communicate is through stories. Yeah. Very true. Yep. Start with setting. <laughs> yep. yeah. uh, next question. What do people misunderstand most about you? You hate computers. Uh, what do people <laughs> misunderstand? Oh, sure. Um, I think the thing that people misunderstand most about me as someone who has, you know, uh, written about technology for years is that they think that I'm an AAC expert. Um, oh. And uh, and I'm, and uh, I would love to be. I've just never did, I've never really had the opportunity to to mm-hmm. develop those competencies. Um, you know, from working in a district where I was the, you know, home therapist at the school and we had uh, other people coming in to do that as sort of a specialized, specialized mm-hmm. service and also not having that many AAC users, um, right. you know, in the, in the schools or the schools that I was in, you know, so I've just never really had the opportunity to develop that. And I've, you know, kind of, uh, made a career out of uh working with you know low support and moderate support individuals for communication and it just hasn't really been the, the thing that i have geared my t- technology understanding towards so yeah you hear um, the word technology would... you, you think ac and that's just sort of yeah what always people yeah. are sort of programmed to think uh, in speech pathology um, next question is what's something surprising that you've learned about yourself? Uh, what's something surprising that I've learned about myself? Hmm. I think about that. Um, let's see. I, I never thought of myself as an outdoorsy person when I was growing up, kind of an indoor guy. Uh, and, uh, learning about my interest and building my comfort in the outdoors, um, has been a real discovery for me, uh, and, um, become, I've become a hiker, uh, and comfortable with kind of the basics, not technical hiking, uh, Mm -hmm. and not too long either. Um, but (laughs) that has connected me to, Mm -hmm. you know, traveling to national parks and, um, sure. and things like that. And also something I have to get, I realized in the past, you know, coming out of my winter doldrums, still haven't come out of that aspect. Like I better go on a hike soon. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think that it's, uh, it's really, um, regulating and, mm-hmm. um, important to develop a comfort with just being outside and taking those opportunities. There's so many opportunities for mindful um, in the moment when you're out mm-hmm. there and then 
in the middle of the night when I can't sleep, I try to visualize the beehive at Acadia National Park and what was that path <laughs> that we took and what did it look like as we walked up and right. you know that can be terrific. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Do you have a favorite quote or saying? Um, favorite quote. Um, it was Thoreau. Um, I'm, I'm almost positive. Uh, <laughs> wouldn't get this right on Jeopardy. Uh, 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 go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Live the life you've imagined. Um, and uh, part the part of the reason I think that's just a beautiful quote for anyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, 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 in my mid twenties, when I came out, my aunt sent me a card with that on it, and um, oh, nice. it was just such a wonderful <laughs> message. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't even know that she knew yet. You know, <laughs> and then uh, right. get that card in the mail, and uh, that was just a really cool thing. But I think it has the, you know, a great message for for anyone. Yeah. That that was that's awesome. She yeah. Um how do you define success? Oh uh, um I think we have to define success through happiness um and unwrap happiness from circumstances uh and realize that you know um happiness is uh, kind of about our state of mind and where our, where we're directing our state of mind towards the positive things that we have accomplished particularly mm-hmm. in you know exiting the weirds that we've lived in the last two and a half uh years i think right. success is um is a, is equivalent to happiness with with where you're at and and understanding that that can be you know to some extent up for grabs uh and and the mindset um uh i'm reading a book called the how of happiness uh and uh, there's lots of great ways to direct your your mindset uh and exercises in there that i'm continually uh applying myself excellent and and Thank you for the book recommendation. <laughs> um, Thanks. What's the best advice a mentor or just anyone uh, ever gave you about work or life? Um, it, it was similar uh, it, to the throw quote. Um, when I was you know, two and a half years into being an instructional tech specialist in a in a middle school and feeling like I wasn't doing enough of my calling, you know, more towards the language piece. Um, uh, I made steps to leave and um, I had gone through quite a lot of steps to get into that position. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And my mentor had been in that position and moved up in the district. And Mm -hmm. um, she sent me an article, um, with a quote about how, uh, you know, there is, there's no, there's no harm in, in leaving a path when you don't have heart in that path. Um, so, you know, having 
having inspiration and flow mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in your work, um, I think is is really important. And if you don't have that on the path that you're on, um, it's time to think about making a shift. And I think that in speech and language, we're lucky to have so many different paths that mm-hmm. that you can take. Um, there, uh, it is definitely not a one track profession. <laughs> uh, Very so true. people, people can shift. Yeah. Great. Great. This one should, next one should be easy for you. Do you have a hack that you've discovered that works well? Could be uh, a hack. Okay. Any Technology, hack? paperclip, I don't know, whatever you, <laughs> some hack that you've come up with or noticed or discovered okay a hack um we talked about the overdrive hack already um um, one of my hacks lately is um i love the apps that visually um and haptically uh help you with breathing uh and using uh breathing for calm and they all Mm -hmm. link to you know science about different kinds of breath work um Mm -hmm. uh, and what it can do for your body and particularly if Mm -hmm. you're not like a big meditation track sort of person um Mm -hmm. i love the app breath work and um i also you know am very happy to have (laughs) i'm not happy to have traded in my bitcoin to buy an apple watch (laughs) Uh, at the time i just decided i was sick of looking at the bitcoin Mm -hmm. um i should have kept it Mm -hmm. uh but uh (laughs) the haptics and all of the all the things that that you can do to kind of um calm your nervous system uh mm-hmm. when you need to mm-hmm. um and uh, one of my hacks is i have a group that that particularly is challenging and uh i try to make sure i stay present with where they're at uh so i always do a a, a breath work like a three minute uh one right before that group so that i can make sure i uh I stay the calmest person in the group. <laughs> I, I need that for some of my groups. I understand there you go, that Kim. need. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. So the Breathwork app, it's B-R-E-A-T-H-W-R-K, um, is good in its free form. And uh, I, I pay for the full thing because we get so many different interesting kinds of little exercises. Um, you can also do those in the car. You don't have to look at the screen. You could just have the haptics on the way to that mm-hmm. IEP meeting or whatever. <laughs> there you go. There you go, Kim. I like it. I'll just stick to drinking bourbon all day. That's all I that's all I'll do. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> Last question, Sean, is if heaven exists, what do you want to hear God say when you enter the pearly gates? Um uh, you're not supposed to make me cry. Jeez. Uh, uh, well done, I think. Mm-hmm. Very good. That's what Nathan said to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, if I was heavily influenced by uh, by him, because that question was asked him. Um, yeah, because I always like that that um, that reading about you fought the good fight. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. what I that's what I hope to hear. <laughs> Well, we're we're sure you'll at least hear that and much more uh, when you do arrive, uh, but hopefully not for a very, 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 very long time. <laughs> 
So I was thinking when I heard that question, uh, when, mm-hmm. it, when I heard you ask that question in previous shows, mm-hmm. uh, I, I was thinking, I was thinking as a joke, I would say, this is Jeopardy. Uh, <laughs> the opportunity to play. You, only get to, you only get to play once. That's, uh, yeah. that's Unless right. you win. So that's right. I wouldn't mind just having a quick game and then we could get on with the other heaven stuff. <laughs> as long as it's not like a requirement for entrance that that's you have right. to like win before you get to go in. Yes. <laughs> That's too high stakes for Final Jeopardy. <laughs> That's right. Final Jeopardy, you're out of here. You're going to the other place. <laughs> well, Sean, uh, yeah. how can people reach out to you? Uh, I know you have the blog. So uh, mention the blog so, and then how, how can people reach out? So, yeah, there's the, uh, the blog is uh, www.speechtechie.com. And my email address is prominently displayed there, which is Sean, S-E-A-N, at speechtechie.com. Uh, I, I Twitter uh, at, at speechtechie uh, and also, <laughs> also at jeopardedicated. Uh, and, mm-hmm. uh, but contact me through the speechtechie one. Uh, and uh, I'd be happy to hear from anyone who would uh, like, to, like to talk. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we hope to have you back in the future and and check in with you. And but, good luck with everything that you're doing. Thank you. Thanks so much. I so appreciate the opportunity. That was Sean Sweeney. Thank you, Sean, for joining us. And good luck with everything that you're doing. And I'm going to keep reading the Speech Techie blog because it is just filled with great information. And Sean is just a master of technology and how we use technology in speech-language pathology. And not just AAC, as he mentioned, but other types of technology to, to really teach and help our patients learn. And thank you for joining us on the podcast. If you don't mind, please rate, review, subscribe, or share this podcast with your colleagues, with your friends, with your neighbors, whoever you'd like. We want to increase our audience. And so we would like your help in doing that. Uh, So thank you for doing that and uh, help us achieve that goal, increasing our audience and letting more people get the information about telepractice service delivery and, and how it can be very, very beneficial for their practice. And with that, until next week, be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network.